Praise the Lord. Take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew. We continue with our thoughts on walking by faith, not by sight, not by what we can sense and what we can feel. We have to come to understand if we're to overcome in this spiritual battle, it's necessary that we would have the mentality of a soldier. We have scripture for that, Second Timothy 2, 3 through 4. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, in about 1982, I joined the United States Army volunteered and joined the 82nd Airborne and was placed in a recon platoon there. Besides uh, the boot camp or the basic training, there was a lot of different schools that I had to go through and intense discipline. Uh, it involved a great change in my life. Amen. I mean, there was a radical change that took place in my life. And not only that, it involved... Great self-denial. I was separated for the task. I was consecrated, amen, if you will, for the United States military. And they owned me, amen, and they controlled me. You know, um, I was separated for many, many months in uh, training or what have you. Uh, they told me when I could use the phone. They told me what I could eat. They controlled every facet of my life. And you know, when there came a time that I could communicate with my family, and uh, I began to, of course, you know, share with them like any other recruit or any other uh, soldier would, you know, all the things that I was experiencing in boot camp and how I have to get up early in the morning. And, uh, of course, I didn't whine about it, or at least I hope I didn't. I can't remember, but... uh uh, you know, if I did tell them, you know, I have to get up a great while before day here. You know, I don't, I don't think any of my family or any of my old friends would have thought, you know, well, that's strange. No, no one have ever questioned that. No one would ever say, what have you got yourself into? You, you probably got yourself in some kind of cult organization. You know, I, I told them, you know, I couldn't just wear anything that I wanted to wear. They told me what to wear. Amen. I had a uniform to wear. And it, when I told them I couldn't just wear anything that I want, well, what do you wear there? So, well, we have a uniform. We wear these kind of boots. No one said, well, they won't let you wear a pair of shorts or they won't let, that let you address any way you want to dress. Nobody said, you know, oh, I'm so concerned about you. You've probably gotten into a cult. Nobody said that. Everybody here had to shave their head. They all gave us a haircut. Oh, I'm so concerned. You mean you have to wear your hair the same? No, nobody said that. You know why? Because they understood the level of commitment. They understood exactly what it was. And they were in agreement with it. Amen. You're a soldier, friend. You didn't join an encounter group. You signed up for the army 
of the living God. And I'm here to tell you, mister, every real blood-bought Christian that has ever joined, ever went into the recruiting office, amen, of God, and ever signed up, amen, on the dotted line, and ever swore in, amen, for God Almighty, He's not going to say, what are they doing to you? You've got to act like that. You've got, you've got to wait. Nobody that's really been born of God is going to call true Christianity a cult, amen. Only those outside the kingdom, amen, you have been purchased. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, that's what you find today when I, you know, really got right. When I was a dope smoker and a fornicator, amen, my family never questioned what I was doing, amen. When I couldn't even hold a job for longer than two months at a time, nobody ever questioned what I was doing or very little. But as soon as I got right with Jesus, amen, oh, then they're concerned. Then they're worried when I was living like a devil, when I was on my way to hell. Nobody ever questioned. But as soon as I got right with Jesus, oh, now I've gotten, I've gotten tied up with something dangerous and awful. You see, those that are born in the kingdom of God and those that have His Spirit, they walk in the Spirit and they recognize what is required. But we read here, amen, that though, that thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Now, if you're going to overcome, you're going to have to war. Boy, you're going to war for me, Brother Britt. Nope. My, my husband's going to work. Nope. My, my parents are going to do the work for it. Nope. Now, indeed, your pastor is going to fight for you. And your husband is going to fight for you. And your parents are going to stand in the gap and fight for you. But only that you would rise up and fight. Because if you don't rise up and fight, amen, if you don't fight a good warfare, then you are not going to make it. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. God has called you into this army. Now, when we read statements like the affairs of this life, we tend to think only of our temporal responsibilities like work and like family. But there is more to this exhortation than the obvious. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 20, where God gave Moses conditions for rules for warfare. If you read through that chapter there, you'll see where God said, these are the type of people that are prepared and ready to fight. And there are others that are disqualified. A man, amen, was to avoid battle if he was preoccupied with a new house or with his vineyard or a new wife. Amen. But there was other categories. Amen. And one of them, namely, and I want you to take a careful note here. It says in Deuteronomy 20 and 8, And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return unto his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Now, I want you to hear me tonight. This is an absolute. We are unfit for spiritual battle if we are apt to trust in what we feel within. I said we are unfit for battle if we are apt to trust 
are to look, amen, to what we feel within. Second Corinthians 10 and 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We must learn to avoid the tendency of looking to our feelings for spiritual comfort or for spiritual confirmation, lest we be overtaken in the battle. Our heart, every heart that is truly submitted to this army, the army of the living God, must be surrendered perfectly to the will of God. Our eyes must be fixed on the captain of our salvation, who is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, and our feet, amen, always to be in the narrow path. And that path is laid out before us by the Word of God. We're reading here in Matthew chapter 26, We'll begin in verse 37, and we'll read through verse 44. Speaking of Jesus in Gethsemane, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. We look to your word. We ask that you would instruct, you would teach us, Lord. So we meditate upon this truth, Lord, that we are to walk by faith. We are to believe you. And, Father, we do express the desire of our heart. Lord, we want to hold and cling to your word. We want to believe, Lord. We choose to believe what you have said. Strengthen. Thou art faith, Father. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Tonight our thought, feelings, motives, and the will. Feelings, motives, and the will. I want to begin here using our text to address our feelings. We notice in verses 37 and 38, and let's read that again. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. Obviously, the first thing that we recognize here is that Jesus in Gethsemane was experiencing bad feelings. He was having a bad day, amen? He, he was having an overwhelming experience of oppression in his feelings. The text describes his experience as sorrowful, heavy, exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Amen. Other renditions of the same account, if you read in the other Gospels, show Jesus was in great distress. 
We read that Jesus was sore amazed, in agony. He prayed with such earnest that great drops of blood fell from him to the ground. Who can doubt he was under tremendous spiritual and emotional pressure? And this is all culminated in an emotional experience that can be accurately described as terrible. So he was having a terrible emotional experience. You see, a lot of times we read through the Scriptures and we read through this account here and we really don't stop, you know, to meditate and to consider, you know, this was a very difficult emotional thing that Jesus was going through. He was having a very, very difficult experience in what he felt. And yet we know that Jesus at the same time was without any sin. Do you hear me? Amen. He had terrible feelings. There was a great uproar in his emotions. And yet he was morally pure. He was also in the exact right place at the right time in the absolute perfect will of God. In fact, he is on the very eve of fulfilling, fulfilling the pinnacle of his ministry, amen, which would be his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and thereby securing our redemption and the glory of God. Now, this is the application for us here tonight. Bad feelings do not always constitute sin. They do not, do not always constitute a wrong direction or a breach in our relationship with God. Now, granted, amen, if you sin or if you get outside of the will of God, there may indeed be some bad feelings. Surely, ultimately, there are going to be many bad feelings. But just because you and I experience bad feelings does not mean, amen, that we are separated from God. In fact, bad feelings will often accompany as a war within the soul our perfect obedience to God. And I would say they'll always accompany. There's always going to be resistance and opposition when you are truly heading in the direction that God wants you to, to uh, head. Thus, we must be very leery of consulting our emotions in an attempt to determine our state. Do we see that? Amen. You see, we have to come to the place where the truth makes us free. And when we see this very simplistic, this very foundational, this very basic truth that we cannot trust what we feel, then we're going to abandon that as a means to confirm our state or our standing before God. You know, in my experience, before the, you know, I really knew this truth, I was always, you know, being uh, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Do you, you, you know those scriptures there in Ephesians 4, speaking of the fivefold ministry to perfect and to rear up and to mature the saints of God? Amen. When it's speaking of every wind, you know, that's just any teaching, anything the devil would try to use to get you outside of the will of God. You know, is once saved always saved the doctrine of devils? Of course it is. 
Is it uh, spoken or is it uh, propagated by seducing spirits through men? Of course it. But that's something obvious. You know, there's doctrines of devils coming into your thought life every day. Amen. There's doctrines of, uh, of devils and seducing spirits that are seeking to exploit you. Amen. As you go through these tempestuous times in your emotions. It doesn't matter what you do, if you truly set out to accomplish the will of God, and particularly, amen, your life's mission, what God has created you for and planted you in the local church for, when you begin to fulfill that, you are going to face the devil. I can remember, amen, you know, planting this church. I've told you before, the warfare, it would almost take your breath away in the in the uh, spirit. But I had already been trained to recognize. I expected it, amen. Anytime you go on the mission field, any of you have ever been on the mission field, you can just get ready. As soon as you land over there, everything's going to fall apart. Amen. All, you know, it's just going to be trouble. There's going to be a lot of challenges in the natural. There will be oppression. I mean, it's always the same way. And so it's something that we learn just to expect and we hunker down to face in the grace of God. In fact, Christian maturity to a great extent is to be weaned from relying on what we feel. Matthew 16 and 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Part of that self-denial is to deny what you feel. The self-life includes the emotions the sensations, the feelings of our temporal experience. And all of that must be daily, moment by moment, submitted to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must never trust that. And not only that, we have to be cognizant. So let me tell you something. If there's someone here, God forbid, that's merely carnal. If there are lost people, amen, carnal individuals, that are sitting under this preaching. You can see, you could take no, you could quote, but tomorrow you'll be living by what you feel. Pardon me. Tonight. Maybe in this service, you won't be able to comprehend what's being said. You'll just live by what you feel. And you will be exploited over and over and over by the devil. You see, you must deny Yourself. This, this is a principle, amen, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to lead us by His Spirit, not by our emotions. God is a Spirit, Jesus said, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's a vast difference between emotion and spirit. On the other hand, the enemy often uses our feelings to manipulate and to exploit us. Amen? You see, again, this is uh, often the experience of the young believer in his immaturity. He's up one day, he's down the next. So much depends upon his experience. If he has good news, if doors that need to be opened are opened, then there's joy, then there's peace. Then everything, you know, is riding high. But let the doors shut. Let there be difficulty. Amen. Let there be, you know, uh, an upheaval in the emotions and they begin to doubt and question. This is all a mark of spiritual immaturity at the best and God wants to deliver us 
from it. So we must understand the ebb and the flow of the emotions will not always correspond with the moving of the Spirit. Or the ebb and the flow of our personal emotions will not always jive with the kingdom of God. Amen? We don't walk by that. We don't live by that. Amen? We live by faith. Therefore, those things are never, ever to be trusted. Amen? Secondly, let's talk about the motives. Amen? Because this is something that the devil will often use. You know, there's all types of people in the kingdom of God. Uh, For the most part, you'll find people not concerned with their, uh, you know, the motives of their heart. But many times the devil will use someone who is, you know, sensitive, someone who's hungry for God, someone who is desiring to do the right thing, and he will turn that around on them and exploit them. You've heard me use this, you know, uh, phrase before. If the devil can't keep you from the cross, then he might try to push you past the cross, amen, and turn these right, you know, attitudes of heart around. So what about the motive? We read in verse 39, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now, as we've already established, lots of bad feelings. Jesus is having bad feelings. We describe that. It even could be described as terrible. What did he do? He prayed. That's what he did. Amen? And that's the example that we have. Now, we're given the privilege of glimpsing into this very private, this very spiritual battle Jesus faced in Gethsemane. I believe we can learn as much about spiritual warfare by observing what's not mentioned as what is mentioned. Please notice, though Jesus had very bad feelings, he never seems to question his motive. His prayer was centered around his will being conformed to God's will. And oh, how very telling this is. And listen to me. This is what you need to see in regards to the most. The real issue is, is my will in line with the will of God. Bad feelings don't always constitute impure motives. Amen. That's the lesson for us. The human tendency is this. When opposition is at hand, when we t- then we tend to question everything, amen, and the questioning begins to foster doubt and fear. Remember the two men that were uh, bringing a message to Jesus uh, uh, from John the Baptist. It says in Luke 7 and 20, when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist, who at that time had been apprehended, and he's been placed in prison. So he's there in that cell alone. They've been facing uh, his martyrdom, and now we see there's some questions and some doubts that creep in. This is the universal human tendency. And so he sent someone to inquire of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said, John the Baptist had sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? He's questioning, amen, the very message. Think about it. What he preached, 
Amen. His mission, His, you know, purpose uh, that God has called Him to reveal the Lamb of God to that generation. And yet here in this darkness of testing, we see this trial brings the question, a shadow of doubt on his mind. And he asked Jesus, Amen, art thou he, Amen, that should come, or do we look for another? Now, to his credit, John the Baptist prayed too when he fell back. Amen, that's what that was. That's a prayer. He didn't go to anybody else. He didn't have a conversation with the devil. See, this we're all going to have these doubts. We are all going to have the feelings. To mature in God is not that you're not going to have these feelings. The, to mature in God is not to be moved by these feelings. But to his credit, he prayed. Jesus gave the answer by reminding John that the word was being fulfilled. And then, then he gave him a warning. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Every time we're in the straight and narrow way, and things don't unfold the way that we want them to. Every time there's opposition, and then there's that testing, there's that temptation. Amen. You know the temptation is to be offended with Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. And if, we get it, we're, if we're offended with Christ, amen, then we're going to fall out and fall away. You see, we have to hold fast. The key is to ask ourselves, are we fulfilling the Word of God? Are we doing what God said to do? Trouble comes our way. We tend to question, maybe I'm doing this for the wrong reasons. So many people, amen, they question. And you listen to me. Uh, early in my Christian experience, the devil taught me out of so many things. I remember that um, I used to throw a paper around. And I'd preach till uh, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I would go and pick up. I had an hour or two in between that. And I would go pick up my papers at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And then I would go throw a early morning paper out. And I'd be through 6, 30, 7 o'clock. And uh, I prayed pretty much, you know, the whole time while I'm throwing papers and in between. And uh, when I got through at about 7 o'clock, I was very tired. But after, uh, this is early on in my salvation, and uh, I just was getting more, more on fire for God. And the Spirit of God, I believe, dealt with me to uh, begin to set aside an extra hour after I got off of work there, uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, for intercessory prayer. And uh, so I would write down. He just put different ministries on my heart, different people, what have you. So um, for a long time, I don't remember how exactly how long, but for uh, months, Maybe even a year I did that, I prayed. But uh, I can remember the devil began to lie to me and that, why, why are you doing this? What, what is your motive to do this? And why are you do? and you're writing this down. It's just a, you know, a form. You're not really, you're writing all these ministries down. And he just began to attack me that way. And I began to look within and I began to think, well, perhaps my motive isn't right. And the devil talked me out of that hour of intercessory prayer. Now, looking back, as I've matured in the things of God, I realize that that was foolish for me to allow the devil to lie to me like that. I remember uh, another young man, and this is really a very typical story. He was preaching on the street in a certain area, and uh, he had some other young men that were preaching on him, uh, preaching with him. And uh, 
the church that they were in uh, was kind of reluctantly, um, you know, backing them, but there was some opposition. Uh, but as they began to go and preach, it was in a small town up in the north of the United States. And uh, as they began to preach, people in the church began to uh, become antagonistic because somebody's cousin got preached to or somebody's, uh, you know, a wife or someone's grandmother or whatever. And so there began to be opposition. Then the small town began to rise up, and there was a lot of opposition that they were facing. And I remember that um, they preached for a while, but one day he called me and he told me, we were in a prayer meeting and uh, God just spoke to me and said, you know, there's an element of pride in our heart and we're going to stop, you know, um, uh, preaching for a while because we need to be more anointed to preach. And that's what the, you know, the Holy Ghost, he said, told him. And I told him, I said, the Holy Ghost didn't tell you that. <laughs> Why would the Holy Ghost tell you? If you're proud, repent! Wait, wait, you don't want to repent? It only takes about a second. If you're proud, repent of being proud. If you're not anointed, pray for the anointing, but you've got a command to go. Amen. Can you imagine a fornicator? Amen. Telling you, well, you, you know, you address him and tell him you're in a fornication. All fornicators will go to hell. You need to forsake your fornication. And he thought about it a while. He said, you know, I feel like the Spirit of God is telling me that I'm just, I'm proud and arrogant and, uh, I'm not really, I don't really have the anointing to give up my fornication. He said, it's nonsense. Obey the Bible. See, that's the truth. And that's what we should do. He should have continued to preach the gospel. Amen. He should have continued to go and to continue to pray. But she was a lying spirit that told him that. Amen. Indeed. Why are we doing the things we are doing? That is a valid question. But we will never learn the answer to that question by merely looking within. Watchman Nee said, we are never told in the Word of God to examine our inward condition. That way leads only to uncertainty, vacillation, and despair. Of course, we have to have self-knowledge. We have to know what is going on within. We do not want to live in a fool's paradise to have gone altogether wrong and yet not know we have gone wrong. To have a Spartan will and yet think we are pursuing the will of God. But such self-knowledge does not come by our turning within, but our analyze, or by analyzing our feelings and motives and everything that's going on inside and then trying to pronounce whether we are walking in the flesh. Of the Spirit. How do we know? We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. And simply do the Word of God. It is true. Right motives are required. But we cannot know if our motives are right by mere self-examination apart from God. Now, I know the Bible says examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith or not. I know the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I know that this is in the Scripture. But that doesn't mean that you can decide that apart from the mind of God. And not only that, amen, everything that's revealed to you and I in the Scriptures, we are simply to do. I mean, when you pay your tithe, you don't say, well, I wonder if I really want to pay this tithe. Maybe I don't. And if I don't really want to pay it, then God doesn't want me to pay it because he wants me to be honest. I mean, it's foolish. Do what the Choose 
to want to do it. Amen. Everything in the Bible that's revealed is like that. Amen. Many times confusion begins when we take our eyes off the clear commandment. Are the Word. You see, Jesus is the Word. You cannot separate the written Word from the living Word. How do I know I have my eyes on Jesus? Keep your eyes on the Word of God. If I pay my tithes, that doesn't necessarily make me right with God. But if I do have my eyes on Jesus, then I'm going to do what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 4, 3-5. Yea, the Apostle Paul says, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Now we know that righteous judgment is commanded in the Scriptures. We know that we have the right to judge a tree by its fruit, even this tree. Amen? And if I bear fruit that's contrary to the Word of God, then I better judge myself. But the judgment that is spoken of here are these type of things. Amen? That we're, you know, the devil's just going to bring us around in circles if we're constantly always asking and questioning every motive of heart. Amen? Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to life the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then every man shall have praise of God. You know, question, why Why do I pray? I wonder if I pray because if I don't come to the prayer meeting, everybody's going to think I'm lost. It's time to shut that down. There is nothing profitable about that. At all. The Holy Ghost has never compelled you. Or rather, if you do think, the only reason I come, why do I come to the church? I really don't want to be in here. You need to get born again. But if you think that, just choose. See, don't be confused. Our motives are not runaway elements of our Constitution. This is how people think. Just like if someone says, well, I'm not sure I really want. What do you mean? I'm not, I'm not really, really sure I want to pray. Oh. Well, then choose to pray. <laughs> See, people, I can't just do that. No, no, if you don't, you're a rebel. It's that simple. Your motives are not runaway elements of your constitution. They are subject to your will. And that, listen to me, Jesus was making sure his will was even though he didn't feel like it. Amen? Even though there was an upheaval in his feelings, he was submitting his will to his Father's will. And that's the way, and that's what we're to do in that type of warfare. Like Jesus in Gethsemane, there may be times we do not feel like obeying God. Amen? But we must choose to what does you see the question what is the will of God once we know what the will of God is then we merely choose it with our will and God will honor that if we truly do now imagine asking one of your children son take the trash to the road so 15-20 minutes you look around where is Where's Jordan Abel? 
I don't know. Has he come back from taking the trash out? No. We look out the window. He's halfway down the driveway with the trash all over the ground. So I go out there and I question, Jordan, what are you doing? Son, I told you to take the trash to the road. Oh, I, I know you did, Daddy. But I'm not sure I want to take the trash to the road. And since I really don't want to take the trash to the road, I knew you wouldn't want me to be dishonest. I knew you would want me to be transparent. In fact, I was a little bit angry that I had to carry the trash to the road, and I wanted to dump it on the ground. And since I knew you wanted me to be honest, I dumped it on the ground. Oh, well, I'm glad you're honest, Jordan Abel. No, no. No, a little trip to the woodshed is going to be in order. Do you see how stupid and how foolish? But this is the kind of warfare people go through. No, choose, son, to take the trash to the road. Write your, you know, write your motive, amen, and then your feelings uh, will likely fall into place. But deny, you see, this is where we have the choice to deny our feelings because our feelings are liars and they will lie to us. How do you know that you don't want to do that? Because I don't feel like it. You see, God is not looking to what you, He never condemned Jesus for His feelings. And all through the scriptures, where you see there's example after example, where men, amen, are having to rise up above themselves, God is not going to condemn you for what you feel as long as you don't subject your will to their, to your feelings. Let God be uh, the uh, Lord. Let Jesus be Lord and not your feelings. Does it matter what you feel? All these questions. Why do we live the way we live? Why do I go to church? Why do I pray? Why do I preach on the street? Why do I homeschool? Why do, why do I live? You know, why do I wear modest clothing? All these thoughts. What? That's not the question. Amen. The question is, what does the Bible say? What is the truth? And whatever the truth is, I am to embrace that with my will. And I believe if you truly embrace that, you know, of course, these things that are merely outward indicators of inward conviction. If you have people that really have conviction and really embrace the truth with their will and they refuse to be moved from that, then they will have joy in the will of God. They will. But what you have a lot of times is people that would just hold, you see, outwardly. You see, can that happen? Can someone merely do things for the praise of men? Of course they can. Of course they can. What's the answer? Repent of that and choose to do it for Jesus. Not I'm not going to obey God. You know, well, I've been paying, I've been paying my tithes for 10 years because I was afraid of the pastor. So now I'm just going to steal from God. If you come to the conclusion you've been paying tithes because you're afraid of the pastor, amen, then repent of the fear of man and obey God for the right reasons. 
Well, I, I've been wearing a dress for, you know, 15 years, and really I never did want to wear a dress, and I've been doing it just out of fear that people would think that I was in my... Then repent! You've been naked the whole time in your spirit! Just repent, and then do it for Jesus. Well, I don't feel... You see, don't worry about what you feel. Choose what the Bible says, and obey it. That's anything. The question is, is it the Word of God? We must be resolved to walk in the life that we have and allow the Holy Ghost to expose any impure motives if there are any. Amen? And if there are, and could there be? Of course, there could be, as I mentioned. But then when those things come to our attention, then we just simply need to repent and continue to do what God has told us to do. Ecclesiastes 12 and 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Don't you see how the devil could exploit this? I mean, how many of you have these type of wars, you know, these type of, this type of warfare in your mind? And you see, the devil's just exploiting that, trying to get you to back away from the life that you have and to do what you already know to do. We don't have any right to forsake anything unless we can scripturally prove that God wants us to forsake it. You see, you don't have a just because, well, is my motive wrong? Well, that is a, is that a question that needs to be answered? Of course it's a question that needs to be answered. But just because your motive is not right does not necessarily mean that you can cease from doing it or you can, you know, do something that God has forbidden you to do. The question is, is this the Bible? And if it's the Bible, then I've got to embrace it with my will and choose to do it for the right reason. And lastly, here tonight, our will. It says in verse 44, and he left them and went away again and prayed the third time to saying the same words. In his distress, Jesus prayed three different times, and the emphasis of his petition was the will. Jesus was only concerned about the will of, the, of God or the will of the Father. And of course, he is asking for the mind of God. This is a specific thing. Amen. And of course, it was prophesied, but I think uh, there are a lot of different dynamics to the prayer and exactly what was going on. It's not really for our consideration here tonight. The point that I want to bring out to you was that he was only concerned with the will of the Father. And that's what we need to be concerned with. Just as I'm trying to emphasize to you, the question is, is this the Word of God? What I'm doing, what I'm, the way I'm living, the way that I'm ordering my life, is it according to the Word of God? If it is, then I just need to pray through the warfare. True, he was in great distress, but his prayers centered around embracing the will of the Father. The application is simple. We cannot necessarily control our, in, or pardon me, yeah, our inward feelings, but we have soul control over our will. I've been born again for, I guess, 23 years. I have terrible days, you know. I mean, in feeling, in my feelings. 
still do. Awful warfare. Terrible. Amen. Not, you know, I'm not immune to that any more than you are. I don't expect that I will be immune to that. But Jesus has taught me to ignore it. Amen. To ignore it. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to learn to be detached by the grace of God from what you feel. Amen. We have no control over that. Many times you just wake up and there it is. Amen. It may not always even be the devil. I don't have the answer to all that. Sometimes it could just be the things that we face, the affairs of this life. You know, crowding in on the pressures and the uh, of everyday life, just our responsibility, whatever it may be. But we cannot let those feelings dictate to us the direction that we take and the spirit in which we live in. We have to live like Christians. We need to be dead unto that. The key to spiritual victory is to embrace God's will with our will. To surrender to it. You've heard me say before, surrender, amen, is what brings the absence of warfare. When someone surrenders, then everyone lays down their arms of battle. And a lot of times when you see people that are fighting all the time, back and forth, you know, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. When someone just gives themselves to the will of God and gives themselves to the kingdom of God and gives themselves to the will of God, then there's going to be peace. Amen. There's going to be tranquility. Listen to Hannah Whitehall Smith, which she said in her book, The Christian Secret to a Happy Life. The decision of our will, the decisions of our will are often so directly opposed to the decisions of our emotions, that if we are in the habit of considering our emotions as the test, we shall be very apt to feel like hypocrites in declaring those things to be real, which our will alone has decided. Think about that. But the moment we see that the will is king. Now when she uses that term, she's not saying Jesus is not our king. She's saying that as far as in the human framework of who we are, the essence of who we are, the will is king. We shall utterly disregard anything that clamors against it and shall claim as real its decisions. Let the emotions rebel as they may. You see, what is she basically saying here? She's saying when you choose, if there's this warfare, and it's one thing for me to sit up here in this pulpit and to say someone would perhaps be questioning, why am I doing the things I'm doing? What are my motives? You know, there's a real warfare that can accompany that. Amen? Like, you know, am I doing these things for the right motive? And would this be, you know, that I'm a hypocrite if I'm just, you know, kind of going through these motions, but I don't feel this way and my feelings are not lining out, lining up with my outward. You see, what do you need to be convinced of? You need to be convinced that God honors, amen, your will being in line with His will no matter what your feelings say. You need to be convinced that God honors when you say, Feelings, be thou quiet. I choose, Father, to pray 
because I want to and because you command me to. If you will believe that, you will have peace in your soul. You see, if you're always being tossed about in question, because you're, you're allowing the devil. See, your, your, your feelings, your emotions, your motives, not some kind of runaway thing that you have no control over. Amen. Your will. You see, that's what God is looking at. What are you going to do with your will? Put your will, like Jesus did, at Gethsemane. You find out what does God say about it. And then you take your will and you embrace his will. And God, that's faith. And God will honor it. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Again, lift your hands and just love Jesus. I'm telling you the truth, saint of God. It is the truth. Oh, thank you. Don't let the devil exploit you, pull you around every day, trying to tell you what is your motive, why do you do this. You choose. You say, I know what the will of God is. I know what the Bible says. I know what my Bible says, devil, and this is what I'm going to do. And Father, I'm choosing to do it. Regardless of what I feel like, I choose to do it because you have commanded me to do it. You told me those that love you will keep your word. And I am choosing to submit my will to your revealed will. I'm asking you, Lord, to honor. If there is, some, I'm going to put that in your lap, Father. I'm going to let you handle anything in my heart that needs to be dealt with. But I'm not going to even discuss. I'm not going to even negotiate with the devil over these things. But I know the Bible clearly tells me. I am going to choose to do it. And I am going to have victory. I'm going to cheerfully submit myself to God. I'm going to find peace and rest in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you here tonight. I pray, Lord God, that this truth would make free in every heart, Lord. That you would help us. You would strengthen us. Lord, you would reveal to us. Lord God, we know we have your word. Those things that are written therein, they're not up, Lord, for discussion or debate. But even, Lord, in our personal lives, the things that are not clearly revealed in your word, we pray, Lord God, that each and every soul here would know your perfect will in every area. And, Lord, that we would choose that will with our will, Father God. That you might bless us, that we might be the people that you've called us to be, that there might be a testimony, a bride in a shining light, in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation. We ask it in the name of Jesus.